Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast, helping you invest in property for freedom, choice, and profit. You'll learn new, innovative, and multiple streams of property income, whether you want to start, scale, or systemize, and even if you don't have deposits. Hi, Kevin McDonald here, and welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. I'm on location, I'm on the way to one of my investment properties, so I just thought I'd do a quick Q&A about all things property. Question one, how has the war in Ukraine affected the UK property market? Um, If you've got a lot of HMOs, houses in multiple occupation, it's going to have affected the market quite significantly with the cost of energy bills. So things like gas, electric, um, costs are going to be rising. now, different ways to solve that problem is you can keep on, hopefully you're on fixed tariffs. If you're not on fixed tariffs, it's difficult to get fixed tariffs right now. Maybe increase the room rents by a few quid a week per tenant. It's a little bit per tenant, but it can be a lot over a whole property for you. So there will be a, a direct effect on you as a HMO landlord in terms of energy costs. And as single lets, Different types of properties, I'm not seeing as much of an effect, although there may be some effect with um, potential interest rate rises, should there be an interest rate rise. We're not seeing that at the moment as as a direct result of the the war. We have seen a couple of interest rate rises that were pre-us knowing there was a war, but I'm not even sure I'm allowed to call it a war, uh, a military operation, should we say. (laughs) So the... um, the effect on mortgages, the effect on, on um, interest rates, I'm not seeing at the moment in terms of cross single lets. So typically the affordability, now the one of impact, the hidden impact might be the affordability of your tenants because your tenants have got the utilities bills, your tenants have got the gas bills, the electric bills. So there may be that as tenants are squeezed more for affordability, it might some may find it more difficult to pay their rents. We'll only see that over the next few months um, let's wait and see what happens there. But at the moment, the only effect I'm seeing on the ground is the rising cost of utilities across our HMOs. Wow, will the war in Ukraine cause a domino effect and crash the stock markets and therefore also crash the property markets? Um, I think it's more likely going to crash the stock markets than it will the property market. Uh, I don't believe the property markets will be massively affected or, or, or that the war would cause a crash to the property market. Now, obviously, if the war expanded beyond Ukraine, that's a completely different story. Things could change dramatically if that was to happen. We're probably all in a, in a, a different world than whether you be a property investor or not. However, will the war itself cause um, a crash to the property market? I think it'll definitely cause a crash to the stock markets. I think we're already seeing that. It's caused a lot of changes in the currency markets, but will it cause any effect to the property market? Don't believe so. In fact, supply and demand of property, what we are seeing right now, as we're taking in more people in, in Ukrainian refugees and, and people wanting to live in the UK, is we're going to see more of a supply and demand issue with the properties where we actually have more demand and even, even more requirement for even more accommodation, which could in fact have a, a push in increasing rents even further because it's, it's literally, we live on a small island where the population's getting bigger and bigger and bigger all the time. And what are we seeing? Just more people coming to the country, meaning higher house prices, higher rents. So how has the energy price rises affected my portfolio? We're only seeing the first sort of utility bills coming in 
literally right now, so in the last few days, um, the cost of utilities has gone up. So we're seeing a, as many people are seeing across your own homes, um, there's a, you know, in, in depending on the property, there's been a, a significant increase in, in cost of utilities. But again, we've got controls in place through either fixed term contracts with the utility providers or, um, you know, means of keeping the bills down in properties, such as the type of thermostats you're using, smart heating systems, um, but there is still an impact, there is still an effect. So to, to counter that effect, it's unfortunately, again, we're talking about rent rises would be, and this is a business and properties a business, is looking at the tenants having to pay a little bit extra every week across each tenant would then cover the, the cost of that energy rise. How bad is inflation right now? The question, the government say inflation is what? They said it was 4%, then they said it was 5.4%, then they said it was 7% or something. True inflation, um, I think it's probably significantly higher than 10%. Let me know in the comments if you think it is as well, because inflation is based across everything, all expenditure, all things that people spend money on. But 99% of the population, the things they spend most their money on, food, clothing, fuel, petrol for their cars, fuel for their homes, the main things they spend money on has gone significantly up way more than sort of 7%. Not only that, there's the hidden inflation where they've shrunk the size of things. So they shrunk the size of, they shrunk the size of the Mars bar, right? They shrunk the size of items. They're shrinking the sizes of food boxes and different things. That's hidden inflation. The price might say the same, but the amount of food you're getting in your box and the amount of food you're getting. I'll give you another example, cost of coffee. Eight capsules in a cost of coffee for four quid. Now there's six capsules for three pounds fifty. That's hidden inflation. So I think inflation's gone above ten percent somewhere, and I think the government wanted to be there. And it's kind of good news because property prices go up a bit, and it makes a lot of money. So property prices, property earn more than people. In I read a report from Savills a couple of weeks ago that property earn more than people in 2021. Average UK salary was just over 25 and a half grand and average property in the UK, average property went up over 25 and a half grand. Now I've got a just over 10 million pound property portfolio. Average property prices went up 10% last year. What that means is I actually made more money from the capital growth of my properties in 2021 than I did from rental income. And I'm buying for rental income. But 10% increase on a 10 million pound portfolio, that's a million pounds. That's a million pound increase in just 12 months without doing anything, just keeping the properties rented. So even if there is a bit of a utilities rise, it's not gonna cost me a million quid this year to pay the extra utility costs. With rising fuel prices, am I glad I have an electric car? Absolutely. Although I've got 103 miles left on it and I've got 76 miles to get home, so I have to stop driving around so much. Um, but am I glad I've got an electric car? Absolutely, this costs five quid, to, about, about five quid to charge the car from a home charger overnight. Um, significant saving on the car. I'm seeing my wife's car, she's got a diesel car, and it's costing probably 20, 25 quid extra at the pumps to fill that car than it was 12 months ago. So this is the same cost. Um, yeah, I'm glad I got an electric car, but not just because of saving, I also like the car. So Crazy State has said, or Crazy State 1 has said, I would love to know more about the contractual or payment side of these deals. 
who owns the property, how does the JV get paid, etc. Does the rent go straight to them or run through a company and so on? Love the content. So Crazy State, whatever your real name is, um, you're clearly number one. So you've, you've mixed up private investor finance and joint ventures. So there's two different ways to do a deal. Let's say this property across the road there, number 20. I'm actually about to take you to number 21, but let's say number 20 across the road. I was buying that property and I wanted to buy it 100% for myself. Then I'd borrow private investor funding to purchase the property, buy the property, refurbish the property, and then refinance it onto a mortgage, paying back the private investor their money, plus the interest that we agreed. So that's a, an investor who's lending for reward only, so interest on their money. A joint venture, there's lots of different ways you could do a joint venture, but a joint venture would be maybe where me and you, Crazy State, did a deal together where, example, I, my share of the joint venture is I find the property, I manage the refurb, I manage the property long term. Your role is to fund the deal. Now we could set up a limited company or a limited liability partnership. I prefer limited companies, 19% corporation tax at time of this. It is going to go up over the next few years, but at the moment it's 19%. We'd form a limited company. You'd do a director's loan to the company. I'd find the property, manage the refurb, convert the property. On the refinance of the property, the money that comes back into the company goes back to you to pay off your private investor loan. If there's, how I structure my JVs, if there's any money left in the deal, any of your money that's not back, you get all of the rental income. So the rental income comes into the company account, but goes to your account right, until you've got all of your money back out. Once you've got all your money back out, we have this property where I've put no money into, you've got your money back out of, so neither of us have got any money left in the deal. It's going to have 25% equity at this point because we got it on a 75% loan-to-value mortgage. So that equity... 25%, 12.5 for me, 12.5 for you. The rental income that was going to you until you got the remainder of your money back out, if any was left in at refinance, the target is get it all back on refinance, but sometimes there's some left in. Once you've had it all back, 12.5% each is the, of, the, of the equity is ours, and the cash flow from the rental income. So cash flow, the rent comes into the bank account, the mortgage and the bills go out, and the profits they're split 50-50. 50% to me, 50% to you. So that's the way I structure a joint venture. It's 50-50 risk and reward. Now, joint ventures could be 60-40, 70-30. I like 50-50 because it's easy to remember what you agreed with everybody. So everybody's the same. So I hope that answers your question, Crazy State. Joe Swanson says, my brother and I own a buy-to-let outright. We bought it in 2008 for 136k and it's now valued between 300 to 325. Nice work, Joe. Would you finance against it to buy one or two more properties? So would I finance against it to buy one or two more properties? The answer to this question, Joe, is it depends. You see, you've asked me a question about a property, but I don't know your personal financial situation. I don't know your brother's personal financial situation. Are you high rate taxpayers? Do you own this property in your personal name? Or do you own it within a limited company? Um, have you got any other assets? Is this the only one you have? But let's say that it's the only property you have. If you have that property sitting there and it's worth 300 grand, 75% loan to value means you could take out 
215 grand from that house. You could get a 215 grand um, mortgage. Will that mortgage, the cost of that mortgage, be covered by the rental income? It should be. You can then take that 200 grand and invest it into buying more properties. Now, you've said, should you buy another buy to let? You could probably buy um, at 25% deposits. You could buy on, 100, on 200 grand you've taken out, you could put 50 grand into four different properties and buy four buy to lets. However, that would be putting down 25% deposits on four 200 grand houses. A better thing to do would be to take the entire 200 grand and put it into one house. One property that's run down or cosmetically distressed. You, so you buy a house for maybe 170. You take the other remaining 30, 40-ish 40, 40 grand and you do up the property. So you add a new kitchen, new bathroom, paint, decorate, refurbish the property and add value to it. You then refinance the second property. You recycle your cash. So what a lot of people, the mistake they make when they refinance a house or they've got some money is they take their life savings, they take their 200 grand and they put it into one house and then they're stuck again and then they spend the rest of their lives trying to get back out what they started with. Professional property investors are adding value. So if you can get that 200 grand out, it's a great idea so long as you've got a great plan to use the money. Take that money, put it into a house, buy cash, refurbish with cash so that's your budget for buying and refurbishing then you refinance to recycle your money and rinse and repeat and you can build a long-term portfolio using the same pot of money hope that answers your question joe but don't take the money out and then use it on a bad plan use it on the right plan got one here from loop j loop j cash is trash but he wants to hold the $10 million and earn 6% of trash rather than get the $6 million and dump it. So this is regards Grant Cardone. So Grant Cardone made a post about cash being trash. Now just let me get my head around this because I've not watched the video in a while. He wants to hold the $10 million and earn 6% of trash. So he's got a property where he's getting 6% return on. So he can get, uh, rather than get the $6 million and dump it. Okay, so if you hold, when people talk about cash is trash, cash is built to move. It's got to be moving. If you've got six million quid sitting in your bank account, or 60 quid sitting in your bank account, or 60,000 pounds sitting in your bank account, right? If you've got money sitting in your bank account and it's not moving, inflation is burning that money. So I've said earlier in this that I've got a just over 10 million pound property portfolio. Properties have gone up 10% this year, last year, 2021. Properties went up 10%. A 10 million pound portfolio has gone up a million pounds. A million pound portfolio goes up a hundred grand because of inflation. Now imagine you have a million pound portfolio. It goes up 10%. You make a hundred grand. If you've got a million pound in a bank account with inflation at 10%, your million quid in 12 months time is going to be worth 10% less. Your million quid's gonna be devalued. So what Grant is talking about is if you leave a hundred grand, fifty grand, a hundred thousand, a million quid, whatever it may be, sitting in a bank account doing nothing, it's been burned by inflation. 
The buying power of it today will buy you way more stuff than what you'll be able to buy in 12 months time from that very same money. So I 100% believe cash is trash. He doesn't mean cash is, should be burned. He means cash sitting in a bank account is actually getting burned. It is trash. Cash sitting in an asset that brings in more cash and is protected from inflation. So read, we've got to read down into what people say and just don't take the, um, and the Americans especially like this, apologies to any Americans watching, but they like the, um, they like the strap line, they like the headline of cash is trash. But it's what they, you need to understand is the deep dive detail that sits behind that and the understanding of how money works. If you've got money sitting in your bank right now, it's losing value every single day. You gotta get your money moving. Oh, Richard Sims has said, OMG, does he ever stop shaking his hands? No, Richard, I don't know. I'm too animated. Richard, look, they're not moving. And from drumming till death, drumming till death, I hope you're still drumming. I bought a house at 180K two years ago, spent 10K and my house is worth 270. Nice work. My equity went from 30K to approximately 140K or from 17% to 50%. That means it's profitable to buy a house even if I'd bought at significantly higher price. And so people will offer over asking price, which is what we see a lot. I'm not even sure what you're trying to say. I, I'd agree with you. It's always profitable to buy a house so long as you buy the right house. If you buy the wrong house, it's not profitable. But it looks like you've done a really good deal here. You bought a 180K house. You spent, 30, you spent 10K doing it up, so you added value to the house. These are the fundamentals of property investing. And it just shows that here's the thing about property investing. I'm not a smart person. I'm not a genius. I'm just an average person. And the great thing I like about property investing is property investing allows average people to become wealthy. Not saying you're average, I don't know who you are, but what I am saying is you've got an average deal, right? You've got an average deal with an average refurb on an average street and added some serious cash to it. So property makes average people like myself wealthy. People like you, right? We don't need to be geniuses. We don't need to be figuring out how to discover how to get somebody to the moon, right? Property investing is just buy a house, spend a bit of money on it to do it up, and you're gonna make it worth more money. It is so simple that if it was that easy, everybody would do it. And that's exactly why everybody doesn't. But well bloody done, great deal. Um, I'm agreeing with your point. It, it is profitable. Property investing is profitable. So I've got to head inside, pulled up outside the property that we're about, we've just purchased. So I've got to get in and do a video in there and have a look around. I haven't seen it myself yet. So you've been listening to the Progressive Property Podcast. Remember out every Tuesday we're on iTunes and Stitcher. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. I've been Kevin McDonnell. You've been amazing. See you next time.